the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Every now and then I need to remember I'm doing this live on air and I want to say stop, process, and say thanks for listening. I pledge if you listen, I will do my best to help get you to retirement. I pledge that if you listen, I will do my best to find you a nugget of information that'll make things a little bit easier today. And uh, it's a little bit of a treasure hunt some days, right? Finding that nugget. 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Inflation is part of their everyday lives. That's honestly why I look at the stock market. Historically, the best way to beat inflation, in my opinion, based on the facts that I've studied, is invested in the stock market. It's not a roller coaster. It's not random. I had an elderly woman email me recently. And when I say elderly, I'm just talking 60 plus. Okay. I'm not being mean. I'm not being cruel. 60 could be the new 50. 70 could be the new 20. I don't care. And she's talking about certificate of deposits and interest rates. And um, she has all of her money in cash and cash like instruments. That's great. And I'm like, why did you do that? Just out of curiosity. Because cash doesn't beat inflation. And she's like, when I was in college, I went to the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and um, I quickly learned that everything that happens on Wall Street, you have to be an insider to get ahead. And I'm like, oh, that is so disappointing to hear. Educated, educated human being in college saw a complicated scenario and said, that's not for me. What she should have seen, in my opinion, which I'd learned in college, is Wall Street is capitalism. It's not a roller coaster. It works over time. It doesn't necessarily work in the short term. But you'll look back and wish you had done more. You'll look back and wish you had started sooner and just did the S&P 500, the Russell 3000, the Wilshire 5000, some sort of international index. So I kind of conveyed that to her in an email. And she's like, nope, you can be you. I can be me. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm going to be 10, 20 times richer than you. But okay, based on just normal conditions in the last 20, 30, 40 years. Anyway, you see where my point, right? And again, I wasn't trying to be mean and I'm not trying to like (laughs) keep her at an arm's distance. That's not me. Yesterday, the NASDAQ went up fractionally. The SP 500 was up, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down. So I see that just in headline color, like a color map. I see that as growth beating value. Stocks ended up mixed. Jerome Powell testified before Congress for the second day in a row. That's over. I did two whole segments, two whole days in a row on television about Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and his testimony. And one of the things that he said yesterday was crypto could really use some regulation. Digital assets could really use some regulation. Uh, Done by Congress, not by me. Federal Reserve doesn't do it. He said, we'll work with a digital dollar if Congress approves it. 
Tesla had its worst day in a month in the wake of Elon Musk's viral tweets mocking a laid off Twitter employee with a disability who reached out on the platform to ask if he still had a job. Musk eventually apologized. But man, that man, he just can't not tweet. What would you do with a million and point three billion dollars worth of shoes? Adidas is stuck with an expensive reminder that a lot has changed in the last few years. Alec Brand is sitting on roughly $1.3 billion worth of Yeezy gear after cutting ties with Ye. Formerly known as Kanye West, or his anti-Semitic uh, comments back in, I think it was October, wasn't it? It just felt like yesterday. It just felt like yesterday. But how do you get rid of it? And I'm like, why don't you sell it? And uh, nope, because they cut that relationship. They could burn or trash the gear. That would be uncool to do with $1.3 billion of gear. You could donate the shoes, which could create a boom in the resale market. Even if Adidas rebrands the items and sells them, Ye promised uh, a cut of the profits on that. So what do you do with warehouses full of taboo, not illegal, Merchandise. I find that uh, kind of a good problem not for me to have. Silvergate Capital is in trouble. The crypto company announced yesterday that it's winding down operations, liquidating Silvergate Bank, which has about $11 billion in assets. Silvergate has been uh, on the struggle, struggle, struggle. It's... Ever, Bitcoin's waiting for the next shoe to fall, and it's it's waiting, and, well, it fell again. Silvergate fired 40% of its workforce last quarter, reported a $1 billion loss, and took out billions of dollars in loans. Not enough to keep things up and going. Let's take a look at how that is playing out today in the world of Bitcoin. Um, that's not too bad. Hold on, hold on. Oh, oh, updated numbers. Updated numbers coming in three. Two, one, down 221,772. Interesting. It's holding up pretty well. So Bitcoin and Ethereum, in the vibe of the research that I read, feel like they're going to survive. Every other coin feels like it's going to fail. I'm just telling you in the vibe. So just throw that down there for what it's worth. I'm not saying take it to the bank in any way, shape, or form. Don't know you. You don't know me. Consultable providers of finicky action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell will not be speaking today. <laughs> the crowd goes crazy. <sighs> but because it's Thursday, take a look at the calendar. We've got jobs report tomorrow. His words earlier this week will hang on the market. Like uh insecurity blanket, like a wet blanket. I referred to him yesterday as Dean Wormer dropping the bomb that the fraternity is going to be shutting down an animal house. He had kind of a vibe of, look, uh, we had inflation. Uh, we had no inflation. Then it was transitory. And then it was out of control inflation. Then it started coming down. And well, it, it, it spiked one more time. He didn't say spike. He, he referred to it as bumpy. He said turbulence. And uh, he feels that he's going to get the the plane there. But he said, you know, maybe another 50 basis points at this month's meeting. And we're like, wait, 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 wait. We're getting used to these 25 bases after the 75 bases runs. 
And um, Wall Street doesn't like it. it. It honestly feels more and more people saying we have great jobs in America. The Fed's job is to fight inflation and to keep jobs at full employment. That's their mandate. And it feels like they can't do both this time. So Elizabeth Warren is is blasting Jerome Powell. Like, you talk to you, Jerome Powell. You talk to the two million people who are about to lose their jobs because of you. And the funny thing is, there's 1.9 million job openings in America. So if people lose their jobs, they in theory could instantly get one. Uh, not an apple for apples comparison, but you get the idea. Six month T bill yesterday jumped 14 basis points, 5.27%. That's amazing. I'm sorry to say this, but if you, if you are 55, 50 plus years old and you're not starting to deploy things for income, this is just a nice moment for income investors. I looked at my uh, cash account and last month it pulled in like $800 in interest. Like, sweet. Which to my wife is like four dinners, <laughs> maybe six lunches. I don't know. I'll be here all day trashing a woman. I'll be here all day trashing women who stay at home and work. And I'll be all like, yes, I'm that. Where do you go in shows without offending someone? I'm not just a facts kind of guy. I have that audio sounder over the top, irreverent. Somehow I have to live up to it. Initial jobless claims came in this morning, increased by 21,000, 211,000. Those were the highest claim level since December. It teased the prospect of a softening labor market. But the reality is for 25 years, I've been doing the show. One of the original, if not the original financial podcast. Um, any number under 350,000 is good for the labor market because we continue to add immigration and population through birth. So it's a healthy number. I'm sorry, but it doesn't tease um, a loosening of the labor market. Not to me, it doesn't. No big corporate news today, from what I can tell, um, but we'll obviously get into it. One small piece of corporate news. Roku's going to sell its first company-made smart TVs exclusively at Best Buy. Eh, you know, the problem with TVs is they have that hardware for 10 years. If you have a TV for 10 years, it has the same semiconductors, the same storage capacity. So Roku better put a lot of updates available in the next five, 10 years because people are going to be pissed if they spend six, seven, seven, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars for a TV that has Roku built in, which is great. I, I love Roku. I use Roku. Um, but we don't want to update our hardware, our debt. I'd rather update that $20 dongle than update the $600, $700 TV. But that's interesting, right? And uh, I guess that's a win for Best Buy. Roku has 70 million active U.S. accounts. They announced platform-wide updates for its operating systems, which will hit in the coming weeks. New features coming to Roku devices in the United States will include the launch of local news, which personalizes live news channels by location, allows users to stream channels from major U.S. cities. They kind of have something like that in there now, but eh. anyway, they're trying to be more 21st century relevant. The dongles. Do you remember your, your streaming sticks? Will those go the way of the dodo bird? I, maybe, maybe not completely, though.
Anyhow, and anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show. Big event coming up Saturday, March 11th in Lafayette, Lafayette Hotel Park. Lafayette, Lafayette Park Hotel. It's all about income and retirement, uh, roadblocks. It's CFP Stephanie Richmond. She's finished her slide deck. It's a new presentation. You can sign up for the event 10 to noon. Breakfast is thrown in for free at Rob Black Show. It's robblackshow.com. And uh, it's Saturday, March 11th, 10 to noon. Don't want to work forever? Check out the Retirement Planning Guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. This is a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. I pledge that if you listen, I'll do my best to find information that's great for you to condense and consolidate and digest and uh, try to figure out how it means something to you that's important towards moving that direction. March is Women's History Month, and uh, we just celebrated International Women's Day. Uh, EP Wealth is letting me borrow some of their great talent, but also on top of it, I've got some locally grown talent. CFP Stephanie Richmond with EP Wealth. She's here today to talk about working, then retiring, then living your life. We got a big event coming up March 11th, Saturday, 10 to noon, Lafayette Park Hotel and Spa. It's a great location. It's got nice parking. And the content is an all new seminar with all new slides, with an all new presenter, because you've likely seen CFP Chad Merchant's take on retirement. It's a little bit different. We're going to talk about income gaps. We're going to be talking about Social Security, healthcare costs. I recently ran the numbers on what my Social Security is going to be in retirement. And even though it looks like a big number, it's not going to come anywhere close to covering the income needs that I have. So Social Security is not going to be what I want it to be. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. So we got an email that I want you to take a crack at. We're going to scratch different content with you over the months and years. This one comes to us from Alan. Hi, Stephanie and Rob. I'm in my late 50s. I have about 500K in my 401K with John Hancock. I haven't checked on it in about a year. Scared has gone down quite a bit. Should I just take it all or some of it out? I'm worried I might lose it all, Alan. And Stephanie, I see a lot of things in a quick email. And let's talk a little bit about them. Um, what are your thoughts on the long-term versus the short-term of the markets? Because one year is relatively a short term. I can see how it's starting to stretch in his mind, but it has been tough headline news and turning on CNBC probably doesn't cheer you up. Uh, what are your thoughts on long-term versus short-term approaches? Yeah, thanks, Rob. You know, I think it, it's definitely difficult when we're going through periods of such great volatility to 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 feel comfortable with your investments. And, you know, even even many individuals I work with, you know, over the years um, have been nervous about, you know, what we've seen this this last year. Um, but I can tell you, I've been I've been actually in the market since. Well, gosh, I hate to say it, but since 1987, it's a long time. <laughs> and um, what I find is that it's really hard to know what the market's going to do in the short term. I mean, no, no, nobody should predict that for you, right? Uh, if you're working with someone who who can who who is is suggesting they know, then you should not be working with them. But um, in the long run, you know, I feel pretty confident as do many as do my peers, and so do, as does so does EP Wealth that you know a well diversified portfolio is going to recover, right? So. You know, as long as you can stomach the volatility in your portfolio and maybe maybe we need to revisit your asset allocation um, to see if you're in the right one. But as long as you can stomach it, you should stay the course, because if you look back to World War Two, I mean, it's really interesting. 
the average bear market lasted 16 months, but the average bull market last, lasted has lasted 67 months. And don't forget, during that period of time, we've had a couple of pretty rough years. We had the the, the oil embargo in the early 70s, which lasted for two years. And then we had the Internet, you know, winter, as some people call it, in 2001 and two. But we came back. And even 2008, which a lot of people look back at with a lot of concern, you know, that downturn only lasted about nine months. So, you know, if you can take the long term view, if you can sit tight and also, frankly, you're only 50 and you can't touch this money till you're 59 and a half anyway without penalty. So absolutely don't take it out. Um, right. So I would just sit down and I would look at your asset allocation. I know it might be a little scary for you. And if you need some help, perhaps work with a financial advisor to make sure you're in the right asset allocation. Because if you're too concentrated in one position or one fund, you may be suffering more than you need to be. If you diversify, you got sort of more ponies in the race. And so you're more like one, one of them is likely to win or several are likely to win as the market recovers. You call them ponies. I call them assets. And it's interesting because I could call small cap, mid cap, large cap, value, <laughs> growth. And I look at the ponies all going from left to right. And you're right. The, the one of them is going to win. But I think they all work over time. Throw in real estate as well. It works over time. But some years it, you feel like you're lagging. Like cash has been the big winner this year. That's mm-hmm. the horse that's out front. That's the Kentucky Derby of assets. But I'm digressing. Let's get back to this email because I saw some more things in it that are kind of interesting. Um, Alan mentioned that he hasn't looked at his account in a year. Um, I went through a period of time with this myself when I was new in the industry, 2000, 2002, the tech winter, whatever we're calling it, where tech stocks stopped going up and they started going down and you'd get that E-Trade statement. You would get that Charles Schwab statement and you would be like, I don't even want to look how much I lost this month. Um, there's a, a hiding from the truth thing that goes on behaviorally, um, what's your thoughts on people who hide from financial truth? And a financial truth could be mom's not going to include you in the well. A financial truth could be there's not going to be as much left as you think. A financial truth is divorce is expensive. Um, but in his case, it's I don't want to see a loss on paper. And it's just a paper loss, which is a pretty easy one to digest. Yeah, it's funny. It's not it, it's interesting. And, and I do understand, right? The psychology of money is really interesting. Right. And right. There's the numbers and then there's how you feel and sometimes how you feel outweighs <laughs> what's happening with the numbers. And I again, I know it's hard, but I think if you were to go open your statement, um, uh, Al, I think what you would find is that you might have recovered you might have you might find that your your um, investment portfolio is off the bottom. I again, I don't okay. know what you're invested in, right? But if you take a look at this year, um, actually January was a good month. You know, right. February turned around and went the other way, but March is starting off. Well, it was starting off okay, but you know, so the market's going to go up and down. But looking back over the last twelve months. Um, uh, I've seen investment portfolios start to improve or recover. I've used eMoney, which is a tool that shows your net worth that EP Wealth uses. I've used it for 15 years, it feels like. And every now and then I take a picture of my portfolio. And Mm. it's funny when I go back through my photos and I look at my kids and I look at winters and I look at Christmases and I'm like, ooh, my net worth has slowly been building up. But at the time, it feels like a Charles Dickens novel where it's it's incredibly (laughs) tense. Am I going to get kidnapped? Am I going to (laughs) live? But 
he could look at his statements from a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and he'd probably be very pleased. Mm -hmm. But let's keep moving with this one. Did you notice that he did not comment on the up years that he is just focused on the short, uh, the one year? And I think 401k is it's it's about accumulating money over time, not about it's time in the market. I guess that's what CFP say, right? It's not that's time exactly in the market. What we say. Yep. <laughs> you should have a bumper sticker that says that. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. You know, it is. It's not it's not timing the market. It's time in the market that wins. And it's proven out over and over and over again. And uh, One. I go ahead. So we got about a minute left. Finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I'm just going to go back to a comment I made earlier and agree with you first. Okay. Rob, you're exactly right. You know, 401ks are about investing for the long term. And most folks I know um, uh, don't need to tap into it until you know they retire. Right. And that's actually the, the goal. But one of the things I want to say before we wrap up is mm-hmm. that there is never a wrong time to be in the right asset allocation. And well so well said. Let's pick up that thought when we come back from working to retiring to living your life. Stephanie Richmond has a big event coming up Saturday, March 11th from 10 to noon, Lafayette Park Hotel and Spa. Easy parking. Great to get to. New seminar. It's going to be fun. This Saturday, 10 to noon, sign up at robblackshow.com. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Big event coming up this Saturday. Holy mackerel. That's just right around the corner. Just a couple days, Saturday, March 11th from 10 to noon, Lafayette Park Hotel. It's all about that. I, I would say from age 50 to 70, you really got to get that whole financial plan working in the right direction. You got to get it nailed down. You don't have time to go back to work. You don't have time to fix things on the fly. It's not a triage kind of scenario. This is a good event to learn some of the things that are going to happen to you because let's face it, none of us have retired and those that of us who have um, are going through it for the first and only time in their life. Saturday, March 11th, 10 to noon, Lafayette Park Hotel. Stephanie Richmond, CFP, is going to be um, throwing down some slides. She's going to be throwing down the presentation. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Earlier, Stephanie, I did a story about the Girl Scouts and how the bakery that they work with uh, didn't make enough cookies because there's a supply shortage and how it's a little disappointing. But I once talked with the head of the Girl Scouts of America. I think it's a great institution. I think you're great at what you do as a financial planner. Any chance you were a Girl Scout <laughs> you know, I was a brownie. Remember brownies? Yes, I do. <laughs> I was a brownie. And then I was a Girl Scout for two years. Yes. So I think it shows. <laughs> I'd love to earn my badges. <laughs> I was not a Cub Scout or a uh, Boy Scout. I, I saw it too straight and narrow. Didn't fit my uh, lifestyle plans. But <laughs> let's go back to you. Um, at the event that you're going to be doing, first time with me. This is fun. This is exciting. We, I've seen the slideshow. You worked late, late last night fixing some slides. It's coming up in about 48 hours. Um, you said that you want to save some for this seminar, but I want you to tease a little bit right now. And um, the 4% rule, this is one that's been in the news. You can't turn on CNBC or Bloomberg and not hear financial talk about the 4% rule. But how does a CFP like yourself approach the 4% rule? That's a good question. The 4% rule doesn't work for everybody. That's the first thing I want to say, right? Uh, it 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 is a withdrawal rate, for those of you who don't know, um, that 
if you had a portfolio that was invested uh, 50% in the S&P 500 and 50% in the uh, Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, okay, it's an index of bonds uh, in the United States that don't include munis or junk bonds. Um, the old thought was if you were invested like that, you you could withdraw 4% every year and your money would last you your lifetime. But what happened is after the financial crisis in 2008, when bond yields basically fell out of bed, you know, they went down a lot, that rule really no longer worked. And um, it put a lot of people at risk, right, of actually running out of money faster because bonds just weren't returning what they once had. Uh, today, I think for the first time since the financial crisis, um, bond yields are approaching the same levels they were before the market fell in 2008. And that rule might work again. But the problem is there's something called sequence of returns risk, Rob, which means it depends on how your portfolio performs when you step out of work and into retirement, right? So if you start your retirement years with one, two, three bad years in the market, right? Your portfolio may not perform as well, and therefore you have to draw more shares out to cover your expenses um, versus if the market is up the first, say, three years of your retirement, you have to sell fewer shares to get that same level of income. So in the first scenario, you may run out quicker than you think. In the second scenario, your money might last you longer than you think, right? So the 4% rule is interesting. It doesn't always work. It depends on the order of performance as you retire. But what I like to say to my clients or prospective clients is, I don't like to focus on that 4% rule at all, to be frank. I like to focus on you and what you want to do in your retirement Look at what it's going to cost you to live that lifestyle. And let's just see if it's going to work. Will your portfolio support your lifestyle? And and let's just put the 4% aside. You and I have talked about how my old firm and your old firm and how we've all worked to get to where we are. You have a team of people at EP that help you update this information for clients. So when your clients spin down too fast or when they have the big years, you can get a circle back with them and have some data and tell them, Hey, things are looking great. Or 2022 was not the year for you to retire. Sorry. Um, 2022 was a tough year because bonds didn't work and stocks didn't work. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a weird year, but um, uh, working with a big team and updating information, that probably means you're in not constant contact with clients, but a little bit more than less, right? What do you, maybe three to four times, what's your contact rate? And I know it's going to vary from person to person. Yeah, everybody, everybody's different. I find when when we start to work together, we meet much more frequently, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, particularly when we get started and we, we start building your financial plan. I mean, we might meet, you know, three, four or five times or trade emails, you know, a few more times, that type of thing as we build your plan. And, you know, by the way, a plan is not a one and done experience. It's a process. So we'll yeah. be visiting your plan annually. And then we'll, we'll likely meet quarterly thereafter. But what I find over time as we get to know each other and trust each other and uh, your you as a client begin to feel comfortable with what we're doing and how we're supporting you in terms of your plan and investments, I find that people feel the need to meet less and less. So many of my longer term clients, I only meet with twice a year. And then as needed, because it's 
always okay to pick up the phone and call. It's always okay to email and ask a question. And and I or my peers that work at EP will always get back to you. And I typically say when I do a little promotional work for EP, it's garbage in, garbage out. So <laughs> update your planner if you can with uh, life-changing events. Um, update your planner. Have those conversations in down years that you're scared. Have those conversations in up years that you're greedy. I think that's always a good idea. Now, you were working on slides late at night for the big event coming up Saturday, March 11th. That's right around the corner. It's this week. It's this weekend. Um, One of the slides that you and I or you showed me, you gave me a dry run of the presentation was on healthcare costs. Mm. Um, You want to hear sad. My dad's healthcare plan was wife is going to take care of me when I get cancer. I'm going to die. And then good luck. Um, Not the best plan, right? No. And I guess he didn't have a lot of healthcare costs because he didn't have long-term care. She did for three or four years. But um, can you do like a 30-second commentary on healthcare costs? Yeah. um, So first off, I just want to say this. If you're going to retire early, it's going to be super expensive, right? Um, You know, the average cost in an an urban center, like where we live here in the Bay Area, is going to be anywhere between $10,000 and $12,000 per individual, right? Wow. It does include, you know, deductibles, but it is expensive. You know, um, after age 65, if you were, depending on, you know, the, the plan you choose to get to complement Medicare, you find the costs are going to be a lot lower. So probably, you know, all in close to about $7,000 if you include deductibles, out-of-pocket costs, things of that nature. So it's still expensive, but not as expensive if you retire early. So those are things to keep in mind when you think about when you're going to retire. But the other thing that's, you know, that is really coming up for a lot of people, especially as we live longer, and especially for us women, is long-term care, right? You mentioned it, you know, just a moment ago. And the cost to stay in a, a, you know, a nice place in our area up here in the Bay area is about, gosh, we're, we're planning with about, uh, about $140,000 a year, right. To cover those costs. And that inflates, we, we assume it inflates at 5% a year. So if you don't need care, you know, if you're 60 and you don't need care until you're well into your eighties, it's going to be really expensive. So these are things you want to kind of stress test your plan for to see if you're going to be able to self-insure for those costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks very much, Stephanie. Um, we look forward to see, or I look forward to, I'm not saying we, I guess we look forward to seeing the audience, but I look forward to seeing you Saturday, March 11th, 10 to noon. This could be exciting. Lafayette Park Hotel, a lovely location that you'll feel right at home in. We're going to be talking about working to retirement, to living your life, going to be covering retirement goals, roadblocks, what kind of retirement you envision, what kind of retirement you're going to get, retiring early, working after retirement, much, much more. Great chance to meet CFP Stephanie Richmond and her team. You can find her at epwealth.com. That's epwealth.com. You can sign up for the event Saturday, 10 to noon at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Let's hit some content. Let's hit it with a stick. Yes, I was one of those excitable boys that a pinata at a birthday party was like my favorite thing to ever do. Hitting things with sticks. 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Inflation is a part of their everyday lives now. 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 
there is a story out that 68% of Americans wouldn't be able to cover basic bills if they were unemployed for one month. I'm going to go to a point at some point where I'm unemployed. Haven't got there yet, but I had a fear of being unemployed when I was 18 years old. So I started my own business. I wanted to control my own destiny. And, um, Somehow between now and the 15 years, maybe EP Wealth will say, you know what, we don't need you and I'll be unemployed and I'll go, do I still work? Do I not still work? I don't know. Um, do I uh, put together a resume? I haven't put together a resume since I was 18 years old. Um, I'll have chat GPT do it for me, right? Um, so 68% couldn't cover basic bills. I'm in a position where I could live till the day I die. But also, I'm in a position where how much do I leave to my kids? Is it going to be a little bit? Is it going to be a middle amount? Is it going to be a lot? How much do I leave to charity? Same idea. Um, I don't have all the answers yet, but I'm working towards my eventual death day, and it will happen. Listen to this crazy story. WWE. That's right, brother. Hulk Hogan. He's in talks. Not he. <laughs> the company is in talks with state gambling regulators to legalize betting on scripted match results. This seems like it would be problematic. Because the entertainers, as they're referred to, not wrestlers, they have to practice and they have to know who's going to win the match and who's not going to win the match because it's a story. And there's typically a story arc every year. A lot of people don't know this. WWE is well scripted with professional writers to create a lot of drama. Now, I bring up WWE because obviously we all know Hulk Hogan, but also it's it's an investment. And if you know anything about what's happening in the world right now, streaming media, it's all about eyeballs. Um. You look at Netflix and they're talking about how many hours were watched of Squid Games in the first month. You take a look at the Super Bowl. It's how many eyeballs watched the Super Bowl. Super Bowl halftime, how many eyeballs watched? Um, Fox came up in the 1990s, in the late, late, late 1980s and early 1990s. It was the fourth network. And when I was younger, there was three networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. And then there was Fox and Fox had news. And it was like, oh, they had the 10 o'clock news. That's all they had. They didn't have much else. Everything else was like reruns. And they slowly started building out the eight o'clock hour. And they slowly started building out the nine o'clock hour. And they slowly started building out the 10 o'clock hour. Now, I don't know what you think about Rupert Murdoch now. Politically, do you not like him? Do you like him? I don't know. But I can tell you in the 80s and 90s, he came up with something that broke TV. He said, let's do X-Files, which is going to appeal to men 18 to 25 or 18 to 35 sci-fi monster show. And let's do Beverly Hills 90210, where there's cute boys and cute girls and sunshine in California and living a great life until the high school drama sets in where Brenda slaps Linda. I don't even know. I know Brenda, but I don't know anyone other names. But uh, you get the idea. And Fox is able to sell advertising for boys 18 to 35. They were able to sell advertising for girls 12 to 20 which might have been pimple cream and small little VW cars. Um, it got very specific, got very bullet shot. So the advertisers were like, we don't care if we have 1 million viewers. We don't need to be like the TV show MASH that has 15 million. Um, we're fine having a million if we know who our audience is. It was pretty interesting going back there. But now WWE, they appeal to, I think, boys 6 to 15 years old. And I'm going to correct that because I know I just offended someone. Boys 16 to 25 years old. Um, and yeah, it's something to see. Those those bodies are impressive. They're workout freaks. And um, the men are strong and the women are powerful. And 
Uh, some of the men are good looking and some of the women are good looking. Like it's it's a lot going on with the eyeball of candy for a child. But my kids both watched a little Friday night wrestling WWE. Um, for like maybe seven months of their life when they were around seven or eight. Um, and I didn't know who the heck they were, but my kids did because it tied into what they saw on TikTok. It tied into what they saw on uh, social media. And they knew all the storylines and everything. And let's just put it this way. Streaming, they want that. Now, WWE, should we grow up and have bets on streaming matches? I don't think so. But I'm not the one in charge. Oh, go it is. Credit card debt is at an all-time high, putting households near a breaking point. A breaking point is a term that I recently became very aware of. It's the level of household credit card debt that will become unsustainable for most people. And we're at $5,800 right now, the average balance with the average interest rate at 18.5%, a huge spike from last year. We have $930 billion of credit card debt. Now, the one thing that's saving us from a problem on the news, headline news, Americans are declaring bankruptcy at great rates. We're not seeing that because we're well-employed. So this is the teeter-totter that Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is on. He needs to slow inflation. The best way to slow inflation is to bring up borrowing costs so that people take less risk. They don't take out a HELOC home equity line of credit and go out and spend money on boards. And they don't spend money on construction workers. They don't spend money on uh, projects because the cost of money has gone up. Same thing with corporate America. Same thing with uh, your credit card bills. If you have a paycheck and 68% of Americans um, can't provide basic needs in their life if they lose their job for one month, but 60% live paycheck to paycheck, and you're seeing a big spike in the cost of interest, not necessarily in the cost of goods you get. Um, you kind of see the, the formula here that if we lose our jobs, which is expected, according to Elizabeth Warren, Grill and Jay Powell, uh, what are you going to say to the two million Americans? Look at the camera, Jerome Powell, and say to the two million Americans who are going to lose their jobs. You're sorry that they won't be able to pay their bills. I think Elizabeth Warren was a little too dramatic. Um, I'm fine with Elizabeth Warren. I, I don't I don't get political. I think in theory, if you were to boil her down, she's trying to protect consumer goods or consumer rights. Now, again, you could say there's a long road to get there. And you're right. There's a long road to get there. But um, yeah, the Fed is, is got this dilemma. And we're going to see Friday the jobs report. And there's nothing that the jobs report is going to surprise us on. We've already seen the ADP survey. We've already seen first time unemployment claims today. We know that the numbers are going to be good. Uh, we know that the job openings are high. There's 1.9 jobs for every person who's looking for a job. So if you're not getting a job, but you're not looking for a job is what I'm trying to say. And uh, now your mama knows that. So don't tell your mama that no one's offered you a job because there's a lot of openings out there. So will the teeter-totter jobs versus credit cards break? Because if you have a job, you pay off your credit card, even if the interest rates are higher. No, you don't always do because we are seeing delinquencies of 60 days on the rise. And that's the magic number. Like for a software company, uh, one of their financial metrics that I look at to determine success or failure is day sales outstanding. For credit issues, I'm looking at, you know, average balances, but I'm also looking at, you know, delinquencies. Um, the housing market still in pretty good shape because a big chunk of America got mortgages in 2000, 2020, 2021. They did the refinances. I'm locked into three mortgages right now that are incredibly low. And on Fantasy Island, you know, 
if I were to have anything, what would you do? I, I'm good on mortgage rates. Don't need better mortgage rates. I can move on to something like all the money in the world. What would you ask for if you had a genie in a bottle? What would you do if a frog, if you kissed a frog and it turned into a prince? Well, don't kiss that frog because that frog is worth a lot more money as a talking frog than he is as a handsome prince. Anyhow, and anyway, I digress. Let's take a quick look at the stock markets. Oh, um, Warren Buffett, listen to this crazy thing. He made $704 million. He didn't make. Berkshire Hathaway made $704 million in dividends from Coca-Cola last year. Coca-Cola is not a sexy company. Uh, they make fizzly soda water, right? Um, but they pay their dividends. It's It wasn't a, a great year on the stock market. The SP 500 tumbled 19.4%, but it, the dividends that Coca-Cola paid, he got that money. Kroger, same thing. Um, he looks for that dividend. He looks for that cash flow. He looks for the buybacks. He looks for companies' resilience and dividend history. Johnson & Johnson. They've got 29 products that generate over a billion dollars of sales. They post their 60th consecutive annual dividend increase. He may not be looking for sexy. He's looking for practical. And when you look through your underwear drawer or your, or your clothing drawer and you, you go, okay, that's a sexy look. That's my, my night out with, on the, uh, the dance floor with the DJ. And you need skimpy everything. Versus your winter months and your rainy days, you're like, I need sweatshirts and sweatpants. And for the record, if you ever see me in sweatshirt and sweatpants, I've given up. My will to live is over if I'm in a track suit. Just throwing that down for you, and you can call me out on it. Wow, looking at some market today. Holy mackerel. First stock I just looked at was Microsoft, and it's up six bucks. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I look at uh, Amazon, they're up a couple. NVIDIA's up slight. Caterpillar, Target, um, not doing a lot. So the old school stocks versus the new school stocks. Apple's up a couple bucks. So taking a look at the markets, where are we at right now? We're in the green. We're in the green. Jay Powell's not talking. We're in the green. Now, we're not all clear. What the Fed said this week is that there was an unfortunate spike of consumption, and that's going to keep us probably raising interest rates until we see that consumption go lower. And the job adults opening report, it's not good for labor costs. Labor costs should continue to go higher as you ask for more money because there's job openings elsewhere. So the formula for instant gratification this year is not there in the next three months. And as the data comes out over the next three months, I'll tell you when it is there. It's not there right now. Keep in mind, Wall Street tends to look six months out. The data is looking three months out right now. Big event coming up this Saturday in Lafayette Park Hotel in Lafayette. All about retirement and income. You can learn more about the event at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Sign up. Breakfast is on me. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.